Your shrimp food defines what type of person you are. Join the organic elite at shrimpenvy.com and shop with superiority. Shrimp food has never been this self-satisfying. Featuring organic, natural, fair trade, macrobiotic, sustainably harvested, farm-to-table, spirulina-infused, antioxidant-rich, 7-grain, it, maybe 12-grain, nah, whole-grain, gluten-free, cruelty-free, vegan vagina, non-genetically modified, zero-trans-fat, free-range shrimp food at prices you simply won't believe. It's that, or are you more of the factory farm, genetically altered, hormone-infused, horse meat-infected, slave labor-harvested agribusiness supporting shell rot-inducing common shrimp keeper? Yeah, we didn't think so. You're just like us. You belong. Shop with people just like you. People that drive hybrids and listen to fish podcasts and argue about feeder guppies. It's unscalable elitism for the sustainable crowd. Open up your tank and look down at people. It's nutritious. It's the Shrimp Envy food line. Go to shrimpenvy.com and use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout to save 10% off your entire order. Shrimpenvy.com. It's only natural. This week's shout out is Aquatics Unlimited in Greenfield, Wisconsin. I went there for a convention this last week and let me tell you, elite amazing store. It's like I should have paid admission. Check it out, Aquatics Unlimited. Thank you. Jimmy, we're back. What? Back again. Where we been? Um, well, we, we said here. We said sayonara to the McRib. That was the That was the last time we got together was during the McRib phase. That was life? it was during the McRib phase. My God, I haven't had diarrhea hey. in so long. It's been a hot they minute. Gave up McRibs? What's that, Adam? McRibs were back? Oh, they were the last time we did a podcast six months ago. They finally got rid of them for, for permanent that's what <laughs> at least they say for marketing. No, they're not. Thank God. I hope they did. Oh, you people. They'll well, be back next winter. I am your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnashar. Today, we are uh, privileged to have uh, Michael from All Things Fish. That's his YouTube channel. Michael, thank you for coming, man. Yeah, great. It's a pleasure. How's it going, guys? Well, great now that you're here. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I've uh, uh, tuned into the podcast, and uh, you, know, you guys kind of inspired me a little bit to, to start doing YouTube crap, and spew my own information across the interweb oh no we're we're responsible jimmy you hear that look at that we're, we're responsible for that one birth here not too long ago oh yeah someone in chat said that they had a three-week-old baby listening to our voice during sound check and the baby fell asleep yeah just dead dead to the world but my my thought was we probably helped them conceive it you know nine months ago <laughs> when they're listening to our podcast because sometimes we're pretty sexy because you're a smooth criminal that's right uh michael uh thanks for coming on but uh, you're a fan of mine. I'm a fan of yours. That's how we got together. I started searching uh, YouTube, scouring, if you will, for good content for people's recommendations on how to build budget fish rooms. And majority of the content out there, and I don't know if, you know, they're, they're good people out there, but I don't know if what they're realizing what they're doing. 
they're just showing off their cool fish rooms. They're not actually helpful. They're just, I, I hate to use the term, but <laughs> measuring. They're on YouTube. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, look at my cool. <laughs> it's like Pimp My Ride for fish nerds. That's basically Wait, the content you're finding. Wait, actually do that on YouTube? Pimp My Ride? Or I thought you said <laughs> measuring, so. Oh, I mean, you know, metaphorical <laughs> measuring. Uh, like my fish room is cooler than your fish room. Oh, and they don't actually give details on how they did it. Uh, the thought process behind it, and they, most of them won't admit what went wrong. I mean, let's be real. Even like uh, the show Tanked, you know, half of those tanks never lasted past I six months because show. you couldn't maintenance them. Yeah, we know people who own some of those tanks we've seen on TV that are that are in private hands now because the the businesses have taken them down because they are they're cool tanks. You just can't maintain them. Well, that's where it's different. So I found Michael's YouTube channel, and now I'm a subscriber, big fan. I reached out saying, hey. Your videos actually show, you know, some of the processes, the uh, the the good, the bad, the ugly of how you build a fish room. Mi actually, moving your fish room from one house to another, it's just golden material. You're not getting anywhere else. And I, I'm I'm here to pick your brain, Michael. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you know, you asked me if I was ready earlier, and I'm always ready to talk fish. I don't know if people are always ready to listen to me talk fish, um, but, but yeah, definitely ready. Um, and one of the reasons that I started the whole youtube channel is exactly that because you said it took you a while to search you know the internet for good content and it's in, in the age of the internet it's so easy to put content all over the place right um and it doesn't matter if the content that you're producing is quality or accurate or not um if you can offer some entertainment value um, you will gain a viewership and eventually you'll realize that hey i can make a couple bucks and then you're going to make more content but the content just gets worse and worse and worse as you go. Um, so one of the things that inspired me to actually start on YouTube is, is to kind of put the kibosh on some of the garbage information that's being spread around and, and produce some, some quality content. You, you, we originally, you said you were looking for fish room builds. You know, there, there's a million fish room build videos out there because people realize that it gets views on YouTube. And that's the downfall of YouTube is uh, it turns into a popularity contest. And I'll tell you right away, um, you know, I have a, a small chat. I have a small channel. I stream randomly on occasion. I produce videos randomly on occasion, and I'm not here uh, as some sort of popularity contest. I'm going to tell you uh, how I feel, and we're going to dig into the facts and reasons behind why things do or don't work. Um, and you see, a lot of these people, um, it, it's easy to throw money at fish tanks or throw money at a fish room, be like, "Oh, look what I did," uh, but people never follow up on it right so especially god one of the things that drives me insane and i'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here so pardon me uh, but one of the things that drives me insane is freaking stupid product reviews and unboxing crap Ooh. uh just because you took it out of a box and turned it on for five minutes does not make that the best freaking light in the world right hold on um hold on so so did, did they sniff it because they have a requirement they have to touch it they have to sniff it right. they have to measure it and then they have well, to it throw was, it down a set of stairs, and then suddenly it's the best light of their life. Right. It was it was packaged really well, and it says that it's it's kind of waterproof, and it it has 400 lumens, which well, nobody actually knows what a lumen really is. But it they has got paid for those ads. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh! Yeah, if only we were paid, then we wouldn't have this biased opinion. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's one of the things. Like I've had I've had a, several, um, we'll say foreign, more budget type companies contact me I'm like hey uh, will you make a video of this product if we send it to you I was like 
sure, but if, I mean, it, if it sucks, sucks if it <laughs> if it sucks, I'm going to tell you it sucks. Like, oh well, hey. no, we we want you to like promote it. I was like, I'm not going to promote a piece of garbage. I said I'll test it, but if it sucks, I'm not making it, a video. And treat like, it like Tinder. It That's right. If you're a foreign manufacturer and you're listening to this, send us your shit. We'll have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> I promise yeah. you. In fact, we're working on a Wish.com episode right now. Uh, Jimmy and I got to get a lot, of, a lot of junk together. But before we go do, too far in, Michael, uh, <clears throat> normally we, we do a couple recaps of the things we found over the week. But I also yeah. want to introduce, we have uh, w- my friend and fan in the uh, uh, live in the in-person audience today. Uh, Zach uh, from King Aquatics is the, uh, is the name. He's here in here live with the studio with us. Hi, friend. Yeah, I'm right here live in Studio B. Studio Beat, you stopped at D's Fish Co. You bought some good stuff. You got to at least share that. Oh, yeah. Stopped at D's Fish on the way through and uh, grabbed a couple of Beta Api Api Jade. Super cool fish. Brand new to the U.S., actually. And then I got a pair of Beta Hendra. You know, that, that's what we call the, the, the fish nerd flex right there. That's when right. You, when you get a new species of the hobby and you're one of the first people in your area, much less state, to get them, you know? So, so now, do you do what I do? You buy something really cool fish, and then on the way home, you go, I'm going to be up all night trying to make room for these. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. Because oh, why, why would you pre-plan and go, I'll come back tomorrow for those after I get my tank ready. No, I'll go home and stay up till freaking 2 o'clock in the morning and put them away. I still have fish to put away when I get home today. <laughs> I like how you guys are all, oh, when you get a new fish to the hobby, it's the first time it's ever been in the United States. When I get a new fish, it's usually, Adam, you need to talk to Fish and Wildlife. Yeah, or the federal government because it's probably illegal. Just stop knowing a guy. Exactly. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the the betta api api that's like one of the smallest bettas out there, right? It is. It's so cool and it's like pretty brilliant red. Yeah, yeah, it's like a bright red. He sent you home with a cup of I'm, I'm assuming that's almond leaf water, so it's nice and yeah. uh, nice and tan. But you can still see the red really bleed through. So. uh I am pulling up for news this week before we get into the deep dive with Michael. Uh, we got the Minnesota DNR, now that it's January, have amended and added uh, banned fish to the Minnesota DNR no-no list. Oh, so oh, you got... Joy. So, so Adam, pay attention. Hey, we, we only got so many bleeps to use, Adam. We have to pay for those. Oh, we bleep them now? We, we have been for a while. The ducks have been far surpassed. I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you turd monkeys. So, uh, any guesses to what uh, what the list would be? Probably dolphins and sperm whales. Dol- dolphins and sperm whales. Oh, I'm are goldfish on that list? All right, so here's they the gotta be. Here's the email. So we're we're on the I insider. Mandy from the DNR has been on the podcast twice now. She loves us. Um, when this uh, list was announced uh, as a proposition. I reached out back to the DNR and said, hey, you should come on the podcast. And, of course, the PR representative for the DNR Told you to F was off. very scared of coming on the podcast. She says, thank <laughs> you for the offer, but uh, I know where this goes normally. So I've heard that, too, outside the school. Uh, know that uh, only Adam's the <laughs> here, and I feel like this list is, is kind of fair. Why am I a dickhead? <laughs> I don't even know what's on the list yet. Well, because, because most of it is in your house because right now. Because that's the point. You had a comment before you knew it was on the list. Well, well, because they usually put something stupid on the list that isn't even going to... Okay, let's listen to the list. I'm all right. stop. So here, here's a list. Mitten crabs. Uh, and there's going to be a bit of redundancy here because there's there's things on this list that are federally banned, 
but Minnesota's adding just for double downing. I don't know why. So they have jurisdiction to say we can take those instead of the feds. But anyways, mitten crabs, Nile perch, snakehead, and any type of the walking catfish family, which I feel is all fair. I, uh, I agree. Nile perch um, uh, would not survive. Walking sur- catfish aren't going to survive. Nile, Nile perch aren't going to survive, but I understand. Right. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with this right they now. They can wreck some havoc during the summer. So the, the walking catfish yeah. and Nile perch, they, they've done research on this, and apparently they had, uh, this is this is unofficial, un, unreleased information. Um, the rumor is that they've actually seen in another state someone release Nile perch into a winterizing state that actually gets not as cold as Minnesota, but enough to kill the Nile perch. And in the small period of time that the monster uh, monster of the Nile uh, perch was there, destroyed an ecosystem. I could believe it. Right. Evil. So the, the thing... <laughs> <laughs> the things on here uh, in some of the walking. So is that catfish, your scientific uh, interpretation there, Adam? Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah they're, they're evil. Okay. They're just evil. Uh, and the walking catfish, they're concerned that they will adapt to the climates. So oh, they will. They'll walk into your house and turn up the thermostat <laughs> and wait till spring and then walk out the door and say, "See, ya. Wait, aren't walking?" Uh, Bye, Felicia. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. I'll just. Bye. I'll listen. Bye, Felicia. All right. Then um, let's see here. They have. Uh, Conference of the Great Lakes. I'm trying to see where they got these these least wanted invasive species is the next category. And uh, I'm not sure what f- yellow floating heart is, um, but apparently that's now on the ban list. Is that a plant? Um, it, according to this, it's not a plant. Oh, okay. So we'll just see. Uh, tench, Never gold, golden mussels, and then, of course, they finally added, and this was expected, the marble crayfish. Right. Marble cl- crayfish is the one that self-clones. Mm-hmm. That every single uh, crayfish out there is identical and it just self clones. This has been a massive problem in Michigan and other states. So now those shot- are the mar- marma crabs, right? Yes. Yep. That okay. is the that is one and the same. So this not shocked that that's on the list. In fact, I feel like this took too long to get on the list. Um, so I need to get rid of them, is what you're saying? You, you or shut up about it? Or uh, yeah, just keep quiet. If you purchase them, keep the receipt. For instance, uh, I always talk about the <laughs> and penis not a fish. receipt from me either. Not a receipt from Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. I get the the golden penis fish. You know the 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 dojo loach. Golden dojo. penis fish. Um, the dojo loach, and uh, I still have one old man left, and I have the receipt from when I purchased them right before the law changed. So any time I you would get audited, you'd be like, "Here's the papers," and then that's the last one I can have. Um, now, will that? keep you out of a court of law i don't know but keep your papers people keep actually your papers. Uh, actually curiosity what do you say if you if if you have a receipt for said banned species and you're grandfathered in is if you go buy another one after that one happens to pass i mean you still have the receipt right that's right you're like oh well, well this fish should be 12 inches by now and it's clearly only six so it's not the same one it's just stunning i only feed it every other day see the the dnr aren't dumb people they'll look at the receipt and go this was 12 years ago the fish only have a five-year lifespan at best all right do your homework it had one baby it had one baby one baby tough baby's not grandfathered in kill it uh anyways uh golden clams um actually already been established in minnesota and they've had impacts um much like the zebra mussels but not to the near extent um Tube nose gobies. I have no, no idea why they're on the list, um, other than I know that they're aggressive to other uh, goby species, and they're just a little aggressive fish. Um, the only one that really shocks me here is the eastern mosquito fish. So it even oh, has see? no. 
No, it's here. Eastern and western mosquito fish stocked for mosquito control have been invasive places when they are introduced. Two species were considered a subspecies of a single species. Western mosquito fish are listed as prohibited species in Minnesota. Um, adding eastern mosquito fish will help reduce the risk that will be uh, relative uh, of the one that's bad in Minnesota. So again, western mosquito fish already banned because they can live in Minnesota climate. The eastern mosquito fish is added because that's what people were probably just faking. Be like, bro, no, these aren't western. They're east coast, yo. So it's um, kind of like when you have a tiger problem, then you just get some lions yeah, to eat the tigers. I, yeah, cool. Makes sense, bro. These aren't tigers. And you just like, there's paint on your cat. I don't know what's going on. Either way, I can find both. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and stuff. And the golden clams, I just looked at one of my lists uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, golden clams that you, can, you could import. And you only have to buy 300 of them. Yeah, I mean, nice, you know. nice easy uh, numbers. Now, I don't know why this is on the list, but jumping worms, this is not necessarily an aquatic species. And then, of course, they do have some uh, plant species that they've added, but we're, we're here for a fish podcast. So I feel like that is a more My than plant fair... on there? Whoa, whoa, you're, you're, we can't talk about plants here? Your plant is. Well, oh, I, man. I mean, we only have so much time. Oh, uh, shut up, Robbie. Let us talk about plants. I'm here to talk to you, Michael. Come on now. Michael wants to talk about plants. We'll talk about plants all freaking night. Well, I don't have that list prepared, so fluke you. I mean, we did already talk about one plant. That yellow floating heart is a plant. Is it? it? Is. is it? Why would they put that on the uh, list for actual? Fish and is species? it pretty? And would I want one? No wonder I don't know it. All right. You, oh, that, that's beautiful. I Zach's got one. pictures. I want to see. Yeah, that's a nice looking plant. It's not a bad looking plant. Wait, no. looks almost like a, a lily. Uh, yeah. Huh. Stuff. Perennials. No, it's, a, it's a terrestrial plant that can go completely submerged. Hmm. The more well, you know. The more you know. You know, and, and speaking of that, I, I, I sent out to you guys the other day about the kid now that is putting houseplants under glass bowls in his aquarium. Have you seen that? I did see that, actually. Yeah, I sent it to these guys, and they don't ever look at anything I send them. Uh, to be fair, do you know how many uh, Reddit posts Two. Adam has sent us in 2022? Oh, this, yeah. Thousands. Thousands. That's because Adam doesn't have any friends. Uh, we're his best friends. That's right? sad. Only that, friends. Only friends? Now, that's... You're only fans. Robbie, that's, a different that's yeah, there only we go. fans where you spend all your money. I Do mean, you have to pay for that? <laughs> Pornhub? No. Well, try to get back on track. Uh, <laughs> since you guys mentioned Pornhub, um, we are beginning to get a few submissions in from people of videos of their fish breeding. And uh, if you could send those in, uh, aquariumguyspodcast.com, bottom of the website, you'll find some of our information. Send it to us on Discord, preferably, but we have an email. I'll check, maybe. Um, send us those videos because we still want to do an Aquarium Guys Pornhub channel. So, uh, do you think they'll let us put it on Pornhub? Oh, for I'm sure. sure they would. Really? For sure. There's people that play video games on Pornhub nowadays. I'm in. I've never Let's been on this. Pornhub, so I don't know. So help us out. Have you ever seen Bridget the Midget oh, no. on Pornhub? <laughs> I have not. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Um, okay. So, uh, Jimmy, you wanted to bring up a post from our Aquarium Guys community on Facebook. Yeah, I just thought it was really cute. Um, I don't have Facebook. My wife does. And uh, somebody wrote on, uh, made a TikTok saying that his niece called an aquarium a water zoo. And um, I just thought that was really cute. That it was, that it was a water zoo. But let's look at the rest of them, too, that they had. All right. So th these are all responses in the comment section to that what my daughter calls a water zoo. So then, of course, everybody has to tell what their kids say. So my daughter calls it uh, a would call churches Jesus stores. The church is a Jesus store. That's cool. Uh, my daughter calls quesadillas a spinach and a spinach a Spanish grilled cheese. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, my kid calls robes pajama jackets. 
That makes sense. Total sense. Um, We'll do a couple more here. My son calls... Oh, wait, wait, this one here? Bottom one. My daughter didn't know what the word for thirsty is, so she says she was water hungry. (laughs) I know. I love that. That one I don't really believe. Really? I mean, if I want a beer, I'm beer hungry. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I've actually heard you try to to do that one. Uh, My eight-year-old calls the Waffle House hibachi breakfast. (laughs) So... It's just kind of cute stuff. uh, There's a lot of memes on the Aquarium Guys Facebook page. Certainly check it out. So um, yeah, so we were just we were gonna talk about water zoos today, right? Uh, Adam, you got some news. Um, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't really. Um, no news at all. No, because you basically told me I can't have anything now in the state of Minnesota. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's okay. true. Uh, I know a guy. The, uh, um, well, speaking <clears> of, I will get things. You know, speaking of, of knowing a guy, so our last podcast that we did, I mentioned I had a couple of books. Uh, that I was willing to, to let go. And uh, Adam's one that said, you know, I bet you people are interested in these books. And so now we have a new friend, Joe, out in St. Louis, who purchased the books from me. And I, I sent him out. He just received them on Saturday. So shout out to Joe in St. Louis. Thanks for purchasing the books from me and stuff. And thanks to Adam for pointing out that people will probably be interested. I thought I was the only person left in the world that still read books. I have them. I have a ton I, of I fish books. Of books. I just don't read them. books all the time. Yeah, see? You hear, the, hear the young guys here at the table? I've well, got books. I just use them to prop up the table. Well, there's literally, we're in the podcast studio in Studio B, and there's, I don't know, four piles of books right behind our monitors, using it to prop up my monitor. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And how many of them have you read? Less than less than 20%. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, so yeah. one tops. <laughs> hey, I at least read through my porn magazines, Amazonas Magazine. Oh, yeah. Hmm? That's, uh, yeah. That's my dirty book, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I still love the uh, information that we get um, from Amazonas Magazine, from Tropical Fish Hobbyists and stuff. And a lot of it gets recycled over the years. I mean, I remember reading some of this stuff back. But I, I love that people are still putting out stuff out there for us fish nerds to uh, continue uh, trying to expand the horizons of young people here and keep them interested in the hobby. God bless you, Matthew Peterson. Um, I've, I've got a copy of Sunken Gardens by Karen Randall right next to me, but we said... We can't talk about plants. So I'll just sure we can. Is this Robbie that thinks he's? We in- can't talk about Minnesota band plants because I don't have the list. <laughs> are you? Are you? So you're in South Dakota? Uh, technically Iowa, but South Dakota's home. Technically Iowa. You know what? Um, Robbie will get your address, and I'll send you some of my plant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those plants, Adam, can't go across state lines. We 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 call it the weed. <laughs> Um, I, I, I mean, I've shipped plants across state lines that maybe shouldn't be shipped across state lines. Excellent. As long as no one knows, it doesn't matter. Apparently, it, it you know, I found it in a ditch. I didn't know what it was. It says the guy with a kilo of cocaine in his pocket. There you go. Well. I didn't. It's my friend's drugs. It's what we call a white I didn't lobster. know what was in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other news, Jimmy? Oh, no, not much. Uh, we're still uh, expanding the fish rooms. Uh, Robbie's working on his fish room. I'm working on my fish room. Um, I just added another 30 tanks, and Robbie's just added a bunch of tanks here uh, over the weekend. It's been pretty fantastic. I'm rebuilding from uh, Helping D's Fish Co., because uh, I basically wiped my tanks and set up the fish store. Now I finally get to rebuild my fish room, and I've decided 
I'm going to, uh, instead of using the space for cool things that Robbie wants, we're going to just take a moment, take a breath, and see if I can't find some species that need help propagating. It doesn't matter if they're muted colors or whatever else, if they're something maybe endangered in the um, natural habitats, if they're something lost to the aquarium hobby. Those are the fish that I'm looking for, and I got right now or somewhere around 16 tank, uh, 16 to 20 tanks. I want to double that and use most of those tanks for a propagation of that type. I've had a taste of most fish. I, that's what I'm looking for. So if you're listening to this uh, podcast and you're like, man, I got this really old set of like goodids, goodids. How do you pronounce that? I have no idea. Goodids. The official pronunciation. Uh, so yeah, if you're if you're a guy that's got like an uh, old set of those that literally no one's uh, heard about that need uh, need some love to be kept alive in the hobby, you know, send uh, send us a message. No, I, I I turned you on to something the other day. You called and asked me about something that I saw a while back. Did you ever hear back from that gentleman yet? Yes, uh, I got a message back. Um, he had some crazy stuff too. He has a lot of different. Um, um, subspecies and species. Well, yeah, a lot of different projects just like that. So I'm messaging back and forth to see what he'll give me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so Robbie, yes. Um, the fish that you are looking for. Do you care about legality? <laughs> um, the Minnesota DNR uh, cares about it, so I have to. So, so no, I'm saying there'll be there. We're just talking. You know, might be under certain things that you aren't supposed to have but also a smaller size let's let's put some criteria on this okay i don't want like, any gu- i want no guppy i don't care if your guppy's cool i don't care if it's a cool swamp guppy i don't care if it's some rare endler i already have adam's endlers that's enough propagation in my life no guppy or guppy like thing it can be a live bear but no guppies uh two no monster fish right uh my max size that i want is like a four maybe five inch creature um that yeah that that those are hard restrictions for me Okay. I have some Cryptoheroes and Eludius Fry coming out my ears right now. If you want some, I'll send them your way. I mean, they're technically... They're Cares fish. I don't know why, because they're super easy to spawn. But, they're, I mean... They look beautiful, too. So, um, I actually don't know the history on if they're how rare they are, but that sounds like something up my alley. I saw those videos. I wouldn't say that they're rare. I mean, you can find them. They're just not super common. Like I said, they're on the Cares list, so... Um, I mean, there's that. But Wonderful. I've kept them. I've kept them a few different times now, and uh, I, you know, I'll breed them up and share them around the area until the area is saturated, and then I'll move on. With, and then I'll I'll get a, a wild hare and start uh, picking them up again and spawn them. I actually got mine from Tristan, uh, from Tristan's uh, Tropical Fish over in Wisconsin. Shout so, out. Well, uh, that that's exactly what I want to do. Saturate an area, expand that area, and uh, you know, maybe find something else I can help out. Uh, last piece before we start the podcast of my news, uh, Alexander Williamson, which is on the Secret History Living Near Aquarium. Yes, that's a long name for YouTube. Uh, great YouTube channel. He's been on the podcast multiple times. Wealth of knowledge. If you want someone that knows uh, fish history, that's your man. Uh, he uh, contacted me, and we've been working for a, a while now, and he actually started his own podcast that's part of the Aquarium Guys family called Fishery. F-I-S-T-O-R-Y. It's, uh, I believe, now on all major platforms. And he's going to be unloading some of more his uh, hidden lecture content, talking about uh, fish history, sciences, and other news. 
So if you want a lecture-based, super informational Fascinating podcast, stuff. Fascinating. It's great if you got like a you know hour and a half drive to back and forth to work uh, to really deep dive into some topics. Check it out. Fishtery. And that's, I believe, uh, fishterypodcast.com is the website. Otherwise, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, all, a- Amazon, whatever platform you play. And we'll put a link on our, our website also. All for sure, Darebot. It'll be in the show notes. All right. Well, uh, should we get the party started? Yes. So, Jimmy, uh, I think I'm going to start with just our problems um, before we get into... We don't have four hours for this. Well, uh, any good... Condense it down. Yeah. <laughs> any good... Uh, fish room builder has wanted to do some sort of overflow and they've drilled tanks now this gentleman that we're talking to michael uh, on his uh, video didn't talk about the drilling so i'm going to ask questions michael please how do you drill tanks i have a rack of ten, nine ten gallon tanks it took 18 total tanks before we got the holes in the ones we needed um and two so boxes actually, of band-aids well i have uh, i've got eight Plus a few that aren't filled up. Uh, anyway, eight acrylic tanks that are drilled. Acrylic. Uh, cheated. Acrylic, yeah. You cheated. Well, well, Aren't those pre-drilled? Here's the, deal on, here's the deal on that. So I got those uh, from a research project up at the U of M. Nice. Um, they were more or less giving them away, so I stole them. But if you want my honest opinion, and I know this is unpopular and, and contradicts a lot of stuff, I'm not really a fan of automated water changes and and drilling tanks and stuff see um and, and i'll tell you why okay because if if you had a store or something um i could get on board with that because uh you're bringing in fish you're moving fish um myself as a breeder and somebody that you know just does it for fun right um i'm not super serious about it my fish room is maybe i think i've got 20 tanks with water and maybe 30 35 setup total um if you automate things does it create a better environment for the fish potentially right because you're, you're getting clean fresh water in there on a regular basis but as soon as you automate things you no longer have to get your hands in that fish tank you're not in that fish tank looking at things and seeing what's going on you're not paying attention to the little nuances and subtle changes that happen because so- you understand whether I do anything to this tank or not, it's going to get a water change. Um, so you may not notice things are changing in a positive or negative direction, right? So what you're telling people is, that's listening, that they need to get wet and stay wet. Stop this automation, get your hands dirty. See, the reason that I'm using drilled tanks is I want a recirculating system. I don't want a, something easy water change. Uh, me, I have um, nine 10-gallon tanks, all drilled that have water flowing into them and then all flowing out to one singular sump and i have that so i can have more equilibrium so if one tank crashes out it's uh, has the enough water to be that 150 gallons uh that i get get to be uh spoiled on on just a better water system i have a really high-end uv filter to stop the spread of ick or any other uh, diseases and so far, and this is the moment that it changes, I have been disease-free for many years with that system. Are you talking as about long the as system, I have a UV. or are you talking about yourself? Well, uh, the system. The I system. want to be very clear on that. And you hit the nail on the head with the, the caveat to a central system like that mm-hmm. is you need to have something in place, such as a UV sterilizer, to prevent pathogens from traveling from one tank to the next. And you better have a quality quarantine process in place. 
Uh, oh yeah, you add one thing, thing, and they're all gonna all gonna get it potentially. For if sure. If things go south and in one tank, I mean, it's not one tank. It's not one group of fish that's affected. It's, it's everybody. Everything. You know. Um, and, go ahead. And then uh, additionally, I I keep. Uh, a wide variety of species. Um, you know, I, I overcomplicate things for myself and make a little more work for myself because I keep fish anywhere from, I have some uh, Rift Lake cichlids. Some, it's a Pseudocrinal Well, it's not really a Rift Lake, I guess. Um, but Pseudocrinal um uh, it's an undescri- officially undescribed species. So it's a SP Dark Ventral is what they're called. Um, but they're from Lake Mwiru. That's a M-W-E-R-U. It's a Oliver Lucanus brought the species in. And they prefer pretty hard water, so I usually use tap water for them. That's tap water here is about 500 to 550 TDS. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I have got a variety of rainbow fish uh, that I usually keep, you know, under 100 TDS. And I've got everything in between. Um, so on a central system, if you have a lot of fish that that enjoy the same water parameters, or if you have fish that are flexible to water parameters, sure that works. Um, but it, but it, having isolated tanks not only helps prevent the spread of pathogens but you can have uh different temperatures different water parameters etc you know i'll I'll throw this out there because i I am i'm on the fence i've had both and anyway the one thing that i enjoyed yeah gotta quit drinking coke excuse me had a fur ball but i tell you i i've had had it both ways the one thing that, that i did enjoy when i had all my angelfish pairs plumbed together is as soon as a couple of pairs would start spawning, the pheromones would go into the other tanks. Yes, and that's exactly what's happening. There's so many benefits. And it would figure, it, it would just turn into a big angelfish orgy. And what what sucked about it, all of a sudden, you, I had 50 pairs in one system. They all drop in the same night. You'd have 18 spawns in one night, and then you're up till 3 o'clock in the freaking morning. That's one long night. Yeah, and uh, that worked spectacular. But if you're importing and you got new stuff constantly coming in, it doesn't matter how good your sterilizer is. Always somebody's going to come in with a new form of, of AIDS or syphilis <laughs> or gonorrhea, and they're going to they're going to take, take down your whole system. I've been using it, and we use this at the fish store. <clears throat> and I've, I'm a firm believer in this. What you do is, if you have a recirculating system and you've set this up, get yourself an industrial pond UV sterilizer. The thing will blow anything out of the water. And we use it as a quarantine rack at Dee's Fish. We have a, uh, it's kind of like people normally look at them as a saltwater display. We use this recirculating system to put into quarantine because people continually will walk in the store saying, hey, I'm done with the aquarium. I want to dump my convict cichlids on you. And then we put them back in the quarantine rack because the industrial UV filter, you know, gets out all the gonoherpesiphylates in the, the tank. And we really don't have to worry much about stuff spreading. And then we use that as a quarantine basis for three weeks. Uh, me and mine, I again, knock on wood, I have not spread diseases through that tank because of the um, industrial UV filter. But there's still some diseases out there, um, few and far between, that cannot get sterilized by that UV filter. And it's still a risk. But my particular use case for that rack is the benefit. But uh, I'll, here I'll, nor there, we can talk about that. We're here about more fish room builds. I'll, I'll just tell it's, you. It's a case-by-case thing right. with, with regards to a fish room, right? So if you are mass producing a single type of fish such as angels and you have a very healthy strain of fish and you're comfortable with it and you have faith in it um then it works great because like you said the the pheromones are released and and you you get benefits from it and all the fish need fairly similar water parameters um i said 
it's not a one size fits all thing. It's not even a well. I I don't know. I'd there, say yeah. There's use cases for everybody's types of fish keeping. I mean, there, there's pros and cons. It depends on what you want to do. So I have one thirty second story here. I knew somebody down in the southern United States. You knew a guy. Knew a guy, and this guy happened to cheat on his wife. He owned a huge freaking building full of fish, and you know when you have a um, everything linked together like that, and you pour five or six gallons of bleach in one tank, he lost about $200,000 worth of fish. Okay, okay. She was mad. I need to take a minute. So, Michael, what you haven't heard, I don't know, you, you said you're a listener and fan of the podcast. There was a story time episode that we had, and you told us about a certain fish store owner in a mall Yes, that they cut all the tops and released all of the animals mm-hmm. in the uh, and released into the mall. Now you're telling us a story of another person that got pissed off because of some other relationship issue and then bleached out all their tanks. Five gallons of bleach and, like I said, killed. It was, it was a wholesale operation place and I, I, uh, I used to buy it. It was a wholesale there. store. Okay. Right. right. So, and he was cheating on his wife. She walked in after finding out about it and his whole life was was this fish business. Clearly, and she just took she bought a case of bleach, which would be five. Or I guess it would be six gallons of bleach. Poured them all in one tank, and it just went down the Circulating line. Circulating through. Yep. And so uh, she I feel what like she was doing. you deserve the award of the Jerry Springer of the fish world. Oh, there's <laughs> there's so many freaking whacked up people, you know. Because when you tell your tell your 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 wife that you love the fish more than her, probably not good. Well, why is he That's cheating on his thing wife in the do. first place? Because I don't know, Adam. He, maybe she, maybe, maybe he found his, her sister is more attractive. I don't know. Well, it's still entertaining. You don't piss off a woman when you tell them that they're that you have something more important than them because they will find a way to wreck it. See, and 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 that is tonight's episode. We all learned something. All right, back to the the topic <laughs> at hand, uh, Michael. I think just to sum up what you just said, though, I, like women ruin everything. Is that what I heard? No, I'm just saying, don't piss them off. Yeah, and Adam. They'll ruin. Hey. Mother already, of mother of your four children. Adam. We already get ca- called misogynistic enough. All right, we can tone it down. Oh, a women love our podcast. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Michael, uh, can can you? Uh, I want to point out one of the YouTube videos. The YouTube video should be in our show notes if you want to refer to this, listeners. Uh, but you have this uh, wonderful YouTube video showing how you've uh, built a fish room, and then actually, uh, I believe other videos tag onto this. Uh, pick that up, move it to a new location where you move to. Uh, number one, uh, why the the location? It looks like you have a extra large closet you built it in. Uh, so it, it's actually um, as far as the location goes, um, still in the same building, right? My house. Oh, nice! You um, just upgraded it. So, so yeah, we moved it from I moved it from one room to the next, and um, you know you don't need to have a lot of space to accomplish a lot of goals in this hobby. That's one of the benefits of this hobby. As long as you're not into ridiculously large fish, um, you can have everything from uh, pseudomugil, uh, rainbow fish, up to angelfish and a variety of different, you know, South American or even African cichlids in a very small room. Um, and if you watch that video, the initial video is a uh, um, my old fish room build. It was roughly about a and I don't seven or eight foot by maybe ten or eleven foot room. I can't remember the exact so dimensions. What we call an ice house um, up north here, right? So it'd be a shanty by by all uh, by all means. It's a, a shanty sized 
uh, space. Um, but, I, you know, I ran 25-plus tanks in it, plus I stored most of my equipment in there. And I turned... Uh, I, at the but When I took the room down, I was breeding uh, one species of Chalatherina uh, rainbow fish, two species of Melanotania rainbow fish, four species of Pseudomilgills, uh, maybe half a dozen endlers, two or three different rice fish, uh, a couple of killies. Feeder guppies. Um, I get it. No, 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 no. I got to correct, correct you. Said. Pinky out. That's not what I said. <laughs> he said uh, killifish. No, 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 no. The endlers. Oh. So uh, it doesn't. You don't need to spend a lot of money, uh, or you have a lot of space uh, to be productive and accomplish a lot, depending on your goals, right? And, and that goes back to the case by case thing, of course. Like, what are, what are your goals, and what's your exact situation? Well, and and I I don't mean like. Don't get me wrong. When I say it doesn't take a lot of money, I'm not saying go be cheap on stuff, right? Because cheap equipment. Um, just results in you buying more equipment down the road and spending more money. Um, be, you know, reasonable about the money that you spend and what you can expect to get out of it. Um, well, and that's Michael. Help us help us map out for our listeners because we got people that don't have fish room that are thinking about doing a fish room. That's probably why they're clicking on this podcast and they want to hear and try to to build a fish room. So you're saying it starts with make a plan. What do you want to do with your fish room? So right. me, um, I explain what I want to do. Jimmy uses his as a project for essentially two main fish. He has angelfish that he collects, and he has different guppies that he collects. So, um, Jimmy, uh, what was your thought process behind yours? On mine, I uh, this last time now, after how many years, I decided that I just wanted to get high-end guppies and kind of go back to the Steve Rabicki th- thought process from Steve Rubicki's been on this podcast um, from Angels Plus wonderful guy and he said I would rather raise 200 high-end fish than 2,000 regular fish he, he said it's less work it's less space and it's more money and so with that thought process now right now my whole thing is I've been working with uh, crown tail guppies finding out that out of my six suppliers I can only get them from one person and every time I bring them in, I usually will they'll come in pregnant, I'll get some babies, and I'll end up losing them within six or eight weeks no matter what I do to them. But now that I'm on my F3 with my, with my crown tail guppies, I'm having great success. And I can get a, a premium price for them. So what I did much last time is, is I went to our local uh, hardware store, which we, is Menards up here in the Northland, and I bought a nine, no, eight-foot rack. And I've got nine 10-gallon tanks per layer. I've got four layers on there. And so I've got 36 10-gallon tanks. And I can put in my room, which is only 14-foot square. I can do three of those racks. And I can have everybody, all these different flavors. Robbie was nice enough the other day to get me some green Moscow guppies. And so it was easy. You know, I, just, I got green Moscow guppies and, and nine different other flavors of guppies. And I'm just kind of collecting these different flavors of guppies. I just want to sell these high-end guppies at, at shows and, and to my local friends. So, Michael, what was your um, purpose behind your fish room? What was your goal that you wanted to do? So, it's like we were saying, when you decide that you want to step into a fish room, um, do so with intention and have a goal. Um, initially, when I, like I said, I've been into fish keeping for about, uh, I don't know, a little over 15 years now. Um, but over the course of time... 
you you just start accumulating tanks and you start putting them in random places and what happens is you may have 30 tanks uh, but they're generally if you don't have a plan uh, they're scattered about which makes maintenance a headache right and then if maintenance is a headache you're not going to want to maintain your tanks and take care of them and then you end up in this loop where you get frustrated so you want all this stuff you acquire all the stuff it's super cool and then it's a headache to work on the tanks and things just start to degrade um, and then you get frustrated with it and then you don't enjoy it anymore and it completely defeats the purpose um, so my goal going into it because I, I played that exact same thing um, as I progressed through the hobby you know I, I started with one tank I went up to about six I went down to two I went up to 15 I went down to one um, and then I went up to 25 and now I have a, a, a room that's large enough uh, and offers me a variety of options um, as, as far as tank sizes and, you know, what I need. Just because I have 40 tanks in my fish room, I only have about 20 to 25 of them full of water right now because that's, you know, that's what I can manage based on my lifestyle, my work schedule, my family right now. So my goal going into uh, the the video that you linked was the old fish closet, more or less. It was a very small room. Like I said, right. it was about 8 by 10. Um my goal for that was to give myself um, a variety of options on the smaller side of things. So looking at smaller fish, anywhere from an inch to two and a half, uh, that would be easy to maintain and that I could, could could keep consolidated in one space with the goal of you know breeding a variety of fish. Not breeding a lot of one fish or breeding a lot of fish in general, just breeding a variety of fish. And like I said, I bred everything from uh, a couple different plecos to rainbows to rice fish to endlers to you know uh, a variety of things and then you know I, I kind of experimented with the fish closet a little bit and then if you get into some of my more recent videos you'll you'll slowly see the the actual fish room build where i have about a 14 by 16 space now things are kind of spread out i decided well i don't have to cram everything together but i still want to keep things fairly consolidated because it does make them easy to maintain um, and I keep everything except my one, my 125 is a display tank in the living room. Everything else stays downstairs. And for the most part, everything else is set up uh, to breed fish. And, and I know we were talking earlier um, and we talked about, well, my goal is to breed fish and make money. And that's there is a lot of we we're talking about quality content out there, the lack of quality content. Uh, YouTube content creators have figured out that if you make videos geared towards profiting money off of aquariums, whether that's fish, plants, shrimp, etc., that you will get a lot of views and you will gain popularity. However, I think this is a detrimental trend to the hobby because people are trying to breed fish for the wrong reasons and then they're getting frustrated with the hobby. And not only are they frustrated, but if they're semi-successful, they expect to make all this money and they're pumping out a lot of really poor quality livestock into the hobby, which just degrades the hobby in general. Don't go out and sell your junk mutt guppies that have jacked up backs and torn fins because then somebody else is going to buy them. And whether they know it or not, because most people that go to swap meets um, are, you know, generally fairly uneducated um, about the exact details of the fish and the fish health. They're going to buy that fish. They're going to take it. They're going to throw it in their tank at home. Their fish that they already had are going to get sick. And they're like, wow, 
uh, this sucks. I bought these fish at the swap meet, so that swap meet must suck because they're selling me junk fish that killed all my other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, so we get into this, uh, <clears throat> and I don't promote it. Like I said, obviously, I, I, I think it's a, a bad trend. But you see, like these breeding for profit videos, um, and it's, it's, a, it's clickbait a lot of the times, and you don't see the details. Are like, oh well. And I'm not going to throw names around. Um, well, there was there, recently a... There's an everything there rec- for profit video. I mean, right now, if you look on right. TikTok, half of the TikToks out there are how to be a pressure wash salesman. You know? Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, and, and everybody's how to, so, concerned about how to make a buck. Right. There's there's a particular video that comes to mind, um, and, and it's with regards to, uh, you know, a fairly respectable person in the planted tank world, and, and it's about plants for profit. And they said, oh, I made... 800 or a thousand dollars in one in two days uh doing plants for profit but what they what they did and that's that's completely doable i mean i i go to swap meet and between fish and plants i'll make 1500 2000 bucks and it's i mean it's very doable um but what they don't tell you is that the 800 dollars they made in two days is the work of six to nine months like that's they didn't correct that yeah right in two days Ta-da. They lost, between electricity water fertilizers you know equipment sure they may have made money to to pay for their hobby but they didn't make eight hundred dollars in two days they made eight hundred dollars in six months well and let, let's go in and, a scenario here let's let's take because sure. i have a, uh, someone messaging us and i want to cater this more uh towards we've done some advanced work uh, but i really want to do beginners and budget we have a gentleman that messaged me let's just say hypothetically it's a 10 by 15 shed that has electricity and he has water all he has is a utility sink um, he wants to know what are the elements that you need for the fish room, and you know how do you recommend doing it on a budget? Uh, so I would, you know, the biggest concern with a shed, um, I would, I would, you know, say that is largely heating the shed. Where are you located? Because if you're somewhere, you know, further south, we have moderate temperatures that stay in the 60s to 80s for the most of the part of the year you know, your expenses won't be too bad. If you live in Iowa, South Dakota, Minnesota, and you have a 10 by 15 shed, you better be prepared to insulate that bad boy and throw some heat at it because it's going to be an expense. For conversation uh, pieces, let's do someplace moderate. Let's pretend that we uh, are in northern Georgia where we have mild winters and I don't have to worry about it except for consistent heat. Sure. So you you have fairly consistent temperatures, um, reasonable cost of, of utilities, right? That includes your water, your electric. Um, so a 10 by 15 shed, um, num- the number one, the life of that fish shed, a 10 by 15 can support, in a 10 by 15 space, depending on your goals, you can easily set up 60 to 100 tanks in there, right? Hot. Uh, um, so so the, heart, the heartbeat of that fish shed, um, like I said, it Part of it is going to be temperature. The other part of it will be a linear piston pump that is going to drive all those tanks. So that is a linear piston pump will supply airflow that will run your sponge filters um, that will filter uh, all those tanks and keep things moving for, you know, not a whole lot of money, to be honest. And, and if I was looking at a 10 by 15 shed, uh, honestly, I'd look at something like a Gemco, like the LPH 60 or even a little bit bigger. So that's where I would start. So let, let, um, let's it, talk just a, a few minutes about linear piston pumps because I get a lot of questions. So 
uh, how the linear piston pumps market themselves is by was it liters per hour? Yes. Yeah. Looking it up. Yeah. At liters liters per LPM. I'm not actually sure what the liters it, per it's, minute. It's technically minutes. I think that it's a yeah. Gotcha. So the standard sizes that you'll see is generally the the intro um, for a mid grade uh, linear piston pump is the uh, forty. Uh, LPM, and I run a 40 in my basement, and right now I'm uh, counting some of the taps. It'll do, I'd say, closer to 40, 50 taps consistently at max. Um, now, when I say taps, that's each um, air airline uh, valve that you would put onto your system. Um, so if you have one tank, that might not be one tap. That would probably be two sponge filters, maybe something else air-driven. So let's say two to three taps per uh, larger tank, and then the smaller tanks, you know, one to two taps. One other thing That's to keep in mind fair. with that is as the deeper the tank is, the harder it is to push the water down absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to bring that up, too. If you're running some deep tanks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take away so much. So that's why I like using, um, even like if you're using grow-out tanks of like 110-gallon plastic fish pond or something, you could take that and throw a cement block in there and put the uh, sponge filter up six or eight inches and stuff, and it will take so much pressure off of your, your air pump. It's just incredible. So to give you another balance, the higher end, because that's 40 LPM, the higher ends that you get on these Gemco's, uh, different brands, Alita's, is you get uh, 160 LPM. We have 160 LPM running Dee's Fish Co. in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. One pump runs the whole store. I can't paint how what a drastic savings that is. Adam, you owned a fish store. What was your power bills uh, um, just getting rid of your heaters? Um, oh, I did this. Uh, so I got rid of the heaters and I got rid of the back. Every tank had a back filter. Uh, back filter. Hang on the back. Yeah, hang on the back back filter. Um, it went from like eight hundred bucks a month to two hundred and fifty. Mad savings, mad mad savings. It was it was kind of ridiculous. Absolutely, and I think when you think of a fish room, um, you know you're you're starting to build a fish room. You can slowly, you know, add tanks and, and racks to hold them as you go, uh, but. You want to think about how big do you really plan on going, and like initially. So if if I have a ten by fifteen shed, maybe I only have ten tanks right now. But you know, eventually I'm like, well, maybe I want fifty tanks. Buy the appropriate pump for fifty tanks, and I usually say, buy what, buy the appropriate equipment for what you want, and then step it up one size. Yep, and because if that, you're that's. Bleed Nobody's out. ever been upset that they had extra air blowing off their pump. No one. And you can, is, you, you can exhaust that. You can exhaust extra air blowing off your pump and relieve some back pressure, and your pump will appreciate you because it's it doesn't have to fight so much back pressure. And and two, it's silent. Like you you don't even know that it's there. So, um, and and buy it buy a quality equipment. Um, for God's sake, spend the money and buy good equipment. Yeah, it's silent unless you get the uh, piston pump I gave Jimmy. Oh my God, that thing sounded like a 1946 Studebaker coming down the road with four flat tires. This is like those metal piston pumps they use for ponds. You couldn't talk in the same room. You couldn't talk in the house. You feel your teeth vibrating. And and, it, and I, 
it gave off so much heat you could fry an egg on it. Seriously. So Jimmy and I use this this pump. We call it Sparky. It's our backup. Any time that you know, like our diaphragm wore out after years, it's our backup pump. So uh, we we really have to pay for rush shipping because no one wants to be able to have to use Sparky. So back to to these linear pumps. They are wonderful, but when they go out, they go out now. And so you have to make just spend the forty bucks or whatever it is for a new diaphragm and have it hanging on the wall right next to your piston pump. Don't put it in a drawer. Don't put it in your garage. Don't put it somewhere else. Hang it right next to your pump because I can't tell you how many times I've had my linear pump go out. It was fine today. Tomorrow it, it quit. It's making noise, but it's not pumping any air. And all of a sudden you walk in, you've got 40 tanks that, that are, and all the fish are gasping for air and stuff. And you can put a, one of those um, replacement diaphragms in there and probably in about 15 minutes and so I keep one on hand all the time. And as soon as I use one, I've had them last as long as four years. I've had them last as long as, as, as six months if you get a bad one. And so have one on hand. I can't say it enough to have one of those on it's, hand. It's it's cheap insurance. I mean, just like running right. a, an ink bird on a heater. It's cheap insurance. Right. And, and the thing is, if it's going to go out, it's going to go out when you're gone for the weekend. I guarantee it. So let's recap. Where are we at on what we need for the fish room? Right now, we have an air pump. I'll be honest. We have an air pump. We, we got we um, got pretty far, didn't we? How about shelving? What kind of shelving should we have? Um, so, I mean, I'm a, I'm pretty handy. Um, and, and, you know, lumber used to be cheap and, and very easy to work with. So I, I build my racks. Um, most of them are 2x4s and 2x6s. So, um, you know, and that's something that you can build to, to accommodate your specific needs. There's a lot of the the what do they call it like the hercules rack or whatever um the the metal shelving that's out there um but it comes in very specific sizes um it, it's not hard to to build a wooden rack um and it's easy to to learn based off youtube or whatever if you're if you're not familiar with you know common hand tools and various techniques and there's God, a million i think i've got one video on building racks out there um, there's a million of them out there um but I mean, if you have a saw and a drill, you can easily build a rack to accommodate your specific needs. So, so we talked about the air pump, um, and then so so the air pump itself, uh, you got to get the air to to the rest of your tanks somehow. So, um, you set up the air pump, you you well you acquire the air pump, and then an air loop is the the appropriate way to go um, if you're going to run a lint air pump instead of a single run. Um, so instead of taking PVC pipe and running it straight from your pump down the wall and just putting a bunch of taps off to all your tanks, a uh, loop is going to equalize the pressure so that you get even pressure and flow to all those tanks. So if you look at, I've got a, I've got a build video on my air loop. It doesn't take a lot of money. Um, you know, a few sticks of PVC and, and some, you know, nickel taps that that thread right into the PVC, and you can have you know 50, 100 drops in a couple hours. Um, but the air loop itself is going to simply be um, from your air, from your linear piston pump, or if you run a blower, which I don't recommend for most people, but a linear piston pump is what I suggest for for most fish rooms. Blowers, are, I mean, that's a completely different topic that we can dig into some other time. Um, so you run from your pump, you, uh, use PVC to build a loop around the entire room, um, and then I build, I put a bleed valve or an exhaust valve opposite the pump, more or less, and then you use the 
the taps uh, to create your drops um, for each tank itself, and that'll be your air loop, so that'll provide air, uh, which is more or less the life support for all your aquariums. Um, so that's kind of where I generally like to start when I build my fish rooms, and then I go in and I build the, the actual racks and shelving themselves. Like I said, I use 2x4s, 2x6s. If you want to use a, a metal rack, if that fits the tanks that you want to use, um, great. Uh, if you can weld, uh, more power to you. So um, quick, and- quick hobo uh, build, right? Let's say that uh, one, you're not handy enough to do wood, right? You just can't do it. Sure. Me, I can't do wood to save my life. Yeah, you suck. Uh, I suck. That, so then you that, want, that sounds about right. Yeah, you you'd want to build yourself, you know, maybe a metal shelving rack. You can go to your local Menards, Lowe's, whatever uh, home improvement place. Find yourself, uh, you know really high-end pallet racking but that could be expensive yep you know you're talking like two three hundred bucks for an, one section uh instead uh t- take it from hobo robs you can have yourself some fun go to these same menards places get yourself cinder blocks they're nice and cheap they're a buck and get yourself two by fours all you got to learn is cut them you don't have to cut them straight and you can use cinder blocks <laughs> stacking uh two by fours and create yourself a really solid fish rack the absolute cheapest way in my opinion you see that a lot in florida they'll do that in they'll throw up a greenhouse and do that you know the the biggest problem i see with that and one of the big reasons that i do not use that um uh is largely because of space losing a lot of space just with blocks and if you're confined um like the example that we're talking about here if you have a 10 by 15 space taking up 18 inches on one wall just with block is gonna i mean that's it, that's two tanks easy that you're missing out on now mm-hmm. just because you have blocks there. Um, yeah, it's by far the most hobo, but there's big downsides. There, there's, that's been always it, been the case with me. That I want to see it, how many tanks I can put in one rack. You know, it, m- it does <clears throat> it work? Yes. Is it, uh, you know, I'm always, I, I'm personally of the mentality um, to like do it right the first time. Efficient and, use and of if space. You, if you are building up a, if you are building a fish room for the long term, um, you know, build it right the first time. Obviously, like on on a, if you're on a budget, sure you can do the the center blocks and and two by fours, and we'll get you by. Yes, there's there's a million people that do it. Um, I personally, I'm not a fan of it because of the reasons that I talked about. Um, but but will it get you by? Yes. We we did so. get a question from the audience listening, and they asked why a bleed valve. So, pretty simple question. If you have, let's say, that uh, 40 LPM piston pump, but you're only using, like, a few taps, you're going to have a lot of extra pressure in that system, and it's going to eventually put strain on your pump and uh, blow out the diaphragm. So, what you want to do is you want to have a valve to let off excess air that you're not using, uh, just in case. Me, in my system, there'll be times where I go down to half the amount of tanks, either because I'm resetting or whatever else, and I will just use excess taps multiple of them as essentially their own bleed valve so you come in my basement and when i'm not running full uh, full capacity you'll just hear a couple hissings in the corner like your snake because i have a big section of excess valves that i'm using as a bleed valve i'm going to read this really really quick here because I, I know people are asking about how many can i use i'm just going to read this really quick this is off of uh, this, if you go on to uh, steve rubicki's angels plus website under his pumps He's got this. I'm just going to read it really quick. It says, please realize uh, it will vary in each situation. The depth of, of the outlet greatly influences the output, and one person may prefer to use two or three times the amount of air per outlet than what is needed by another. Aquarium airstones require much more air than an open airline. 
That said, most people will be happy with one liter of air per minute per outlet at one PSI. You can use the air pressure charts to estimate this for each pump. If you run air stones deeper, aquariums, uh, you'll want more air coming out of each because of the depth. But anyway, he, he broke it down. The, the AL15 runs 18 outlets at 12 to 15. These are all 12 to 15 inches deep. The 40 will run about 60 outlets. The AL80 will run 100 outlets. The AL120 will run... 170 outlets. So these are Alita pumps, and right. the numbers uh, match the amount of liter uh, LPM. Pretty close, yep. Yep. And so what, what, what Steve was saying, um, and he said the exact same thing that we had said earlier, is that buy one a little bit bigger than you want and bleed off. He said the exact same thing right here. So, But that gives you an idea how many, how many you uh, it will run at 12 to 15 inches deep. Of course, if you're running much bigger tanks deeper and stuff, it's going to really reduce the amount. So, Michael, where did we leave off? Uh, so, so we got our. So now we built our air loop, right? We we used a, a linear piston pump, and you know, not to to double back, but we use a linear piston. It's it's much more efficient uh, than a diaphragm pump. It's going to last a lot longer, have a lot more output. So we built our we built our air loop, right? And then we built our rack. You know, whether you use center blocks and two by fours, whether you use two by fours, two by sixes, whether you use metal racking, you have some sort of racking that is sufficient, and that's the keyword, sufficient to, you know, easily, you know, hold the weight of your tanks. Because, you know, if you look at some of the commercially available options, it might be a metal rack, uh, but it has cheap beaver beaver puke or MDF type shelves that might hold a five gallon tank. You're not going to put four 10 gallon tanks on it. And as soon as it gets wet, it's going to fall through and you're going to end up with a mess on the floor. And with regards to racking um, or shelving or whatever you'd like to call it, Spend the money for the peace of mind. Would you rather save your pennies and spend an extra hundred bucks on a rack that you know will hold, you know, 200 gallons of water, or would you rather wake up to 200 gallons of water on your floor? Um, it's, you know, seems like a pretty straightforward decision to me. Um, but for those of you that want to cheap out on it, yeah, let me know how that works out for you in the long run. So we got our, we got our racks. Uh, we're starting to put tanks on them. Um, and now, you know, we've, we talked about living in a, a fairly moderate climate. Um, so temperature is a big deal as well. Before you get, um, so you have air, so you have the, the lifeline of your tanks, you have the shelves, you have the tanks themselves, you obviously have this, this shed or this room, um, but you need to maintain a, a temperature of some sort. And I'm not saying an exact temperature because I do think that temperature fluctuations over time are good for fish in general. Um, but we need to be able to control the temperature. Um, so heating the tanks, and this comes down to it's far more efficient to heat the space or the room itself than to heat individual tanks. If you spend 25 to $30 for a heater for each tank um, and you're running 40 tanks, um, you know, the bill starts to add up pretty quick versus buying a heater that will heat your shed or your room for maybe two or 300 bucks. Not only that, but that room heater is going to be far more consistent over time, and it will last longer. Aquarium heaters, you know, by default, regardless of your favorite brand, whether you're an Eheim, Jaeger, a co-op, whatever, they're going to fail. Uh, and there's a lot of misconceptions regarding heaters, and, and that's a discussion for another time as to why they fail sooner or later or whatever. Um, but the general, like I generally recommend, if you're going to run a heater in a tank, you should run it on a dedicated controller. Um, but like I said, heaters in themselves are a different uh, beast, uh, and that's a, a conversation that could be had for hours. 
Um, so I recommend heating the entire room. And this will allow you a temperature gradient from the floor to the ceiling. In my fish room, uh, the way that I have it heated right now, the upper tanks are about 78, the lower tanks are about 70 to 72. Um, and that's just over the course of about seven feet uh, from the floor up to the ceiling. Keep in mind, this is in my basement. I live in South Dakota, so things are going to be a little bit cooler, uh, generally speaking. Uh, but maintaining or having some sort of control over the temperature in the room is a big deal. I personally recommend heating the room itself. Um, and in order to more effectively heat that room, you want to buy a fairly efficient heater. Um, and then you want to insulate that room as best as possible. And I saw a few people in the chat... Um, they were talking about insulating the the shed or the room, um, and that is going to save you a lot of money and establish a lot of consistency in the long run. Yeah, get those big pink sheets at Menards. You know, put it on the walls, and then if you want to paint it, you can. But if this is strictly you know on a budget, paint's expensive. Roll with it. You're now having a pink wall. All you got to do is you know <laughs> post your favorite stickers of your fish keepers, or we can send you a printable image of Jimmy. Just to stare at you creepily. I, you're in your I fish just room. did. I just did mine, and it. it uh, my room is fourteen by fourteen. I put up a, a four mil plastic vapor barrier. I put on the uh, inch pink styrofoam, and on top of that, I put on fiberglass, and then I put uh, plywood over it, and it cost me fifteen hundred dollars. And everybody goes, "Oh, that's a lot of freaking money." Last month, I saved about $80 in, in heating because I unplugged all my heaters. So 80, right. 80 times 12, 720 bucks. I mean, it's going to pay for itself in two years. Easy. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't take long, especially generally speaking, um, you know, I'd consider myself the exception because I either move my fish room from one area of the house to the next um, or I move from one house to the next based because of my, you know, my profession. Um, but if you're building a fish room, first of all, determine... Uh, is this going to be a long-term deal? Because if it, if you're going to be in your house for only one or two years, it's probably not worth your effort and money to build a fish room, to be honest, um, to do it in you know a, a reasonable fashion. Um, but think long-term. You may spend, you spend the money up front to set yourself up for success and see those savings in the long run. Uh, so there's a, there's a variety of options. You know, um, so if you look at somebody like Dan from Dan's Fish, he's over in Wyoming. He gets some brutally cold winters. He uses, uh, when he had his fish room in his, in his basement, he used the, the spray and insulation in the walls and the ceiling. Um, the whole works. Uh, myself, for a temporary solution, while I continue to build my fish room, I simply used uh, formal plastic and created a, an air barrier. Um, so I used, uh, I had these, these false walls that were two by fours that were uninsulated. Um, it had more or less like the Wayne's coating, the, the cheap, uh, real thin board. Um, it didn't go all the way up to the ceiling, though. So I took four mil plastic, I put it on each side, um, and created an air barrier there. And so long as that air is not freely moving from one direct one side to the other, it's actually insulating that quite well. Um, think of it like a, a twin-walled thermos. Um, you know, that the heat can't transfer there through there very well. Um, so, and that is a temporary solution until I complete the build or, and when I say complete the build, that means I determine that I'm staying in this house long-term, meaning five to 10 years versus the two to three years that I've been here. Um, so heating the room and insulating the room is definitely a, a big spending point and something that you want to plan out uh, when you get into this. 
just for the target deal, I always like the <clears throat> oil-based heaters if you're going to do something different than a furnace. Um, I, the, they're, they're cheap. They radiate longer. Um, they're not necessarily the most efficient, but they do a really great job of uh, heat dispersal if you're not yeah, using use something a, with a fan. I use a simple oil radiator. Like I said, when I had the little closet, uh, a single oil radiator in there um, works just fine. It was a small room. You don't have to spend big bucks uh, to have a successful fish room. You just have to understand the, the limitations and the appropriate measures you need to take for your specific space. And also, a $15 box fan goes a long ways to circulate the air. If, you've, you know, if you have a space where it's hotter in one side of the room or, or even a ceiling fan, you can buy generic ceiling fans for 30 bucks and get that 80-degree off the ceiling and down towards the floor. It, and uh, I find that I, I like that a lot better, having the circulation. And also, it's not so stale when I'm in there working because it can get pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. that's that's definitely a great point, Jim. Um, and again, you know, I kind of built, uh, you know, I, I built my fish room based off other fish rooms I've seen. And uh, Dan from Dan's Fish has, has obviously been extremely successful. His business is growing rapidly. Um, but he actually, he made it, he, that's where I kind of, you know, um, was initially exposed to the idea of using fans to circulate that warm air down to the bottom of the room because he just used a couple of little Bornado uh, fans and he, he put them throughout his basement uh, to get that air circulating. And it, it does make a huge difference. So just having that airflow and, and not being stagnant in there makes a huge difference as far as, you know, effectively heating all of the aquariums. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there really quick. And we had this conversation a long time ago. But Quit throwing stuff, Jimmy. We had a calm, calm down. Yeah. We had a breeder one time that talked about, about how the air was so stagnant and stuff. And when they would open up the window and get fresh air in there periodically, their production went way up. Well, that's because he was passing gas and eating, you know, beef jerky. You think so? Hundred percent, dude. When you sit in a fish room, people think it's like, oh, it's just gonna sit in your basement. You go live upstairs. No, you live down there. Oh yeah. You set yourself yeah. up with a little TV. You get yourself an easy rocker. You get yourself a bag of Cheetos, and then you just gas that <laughs> up. Uh, so yeah, crack a window. Crack yeah, it's, a it's, window. I don't. I don't know why they. Why this is. Have you, Zach? Have you ever heard about this where people say get fresh air in there and in. I mean, on the if it's your blower or the well, fresh that, air. Well, it's also alcohol because you're drinking down there as well. I do a lot of drinking down there, right? My, oh yeah. My yeah. wife just bought you me a new 50-inch TV for downstairs in my fish room. That's where you get the tequila virus. Yes. Yes. I have often got the tequila virus downstairs. Yeah, you have two places. You can party with the foosball table, or you can go hang in the fish room. And most of the time, it's the fish room. The fish room. A lot yeah. of stuff happens. Fish room's there. more interesting, anyways. Yeah. But have you heard of that at all before about getting the fresh air in there? I just thought that was interesting because, and I don't know if there's any truth to it, but. It, it does seem to make sense because, I mean, I'm talking about people who have big buildings. They'll talk about in the spring, you know, they'll open up one end and the other and just flush flush that thing out and stuff and how things just kick in right away. Oh, yeah. I definitely see how having fresh air would help. I haven't heard anything about that, though. Yeah, it was just it was something, it was some story that was told here on the podcast by one of the breeders and stuff. And I was just interesting, uh, interested to see if anybody else had ever heard that. All right. So to recap, we have uh, racks that we've come up with. We have airline that's circulating the entire fish room. We uh, have talked about how to heat them. Uh, and then we've also talked about just vaguely tanks. Um, I think one point that uh, you bring up in your YouTube video, and I think people need to just underline, is that it, other people are doing fish rooms. You, you mentioned this before the podcast. Other people are doing fish rooms. 
watch for deals keep your club um i think you said that you got your entire tank array from someone that tore down their fish room is that right michael yeah that's accurate so uh, join a join a club if you don't have a local club you know get get some minds together and make one otherwise there's probably one nearby for most people uh, but there's a lot of you know uh, unfortunately we're losing a lot of the the older experienced folks in our hobby as, as they age out um and and whether they they pass on or they simply can't keep up with the hobby like they used to anymore um but i had i had two good friends that were you know really into the hobby um one of them decided he just wanted to spend more time with his grandkids and the other just didn't have any more ha- didn't have the time anymore for because of work um so it, you can get a great deal from people get out of the hobby you know Sadly, aquarium equipment doesn't hold its value worth crap. No, nope. fortunately, and it doesn't add to your home's value either. No, no. If you for, if you tell your realtor, for, yeah, you got a ten by fifteen in your basement, it's just be like, well, it's unfinished basement listing. Right. Fortunately, aquarium equipment doesn't hold its value worth crap. Uh, be patient. Uh, I got all the tanks that I have in my basement. Um, so in my fish room, like I said, I've got about 45 50 tanks anywhere from two and a half gallons to 180 gallons and as far as the tanks themselves uh the wood that i used to build the racks and the air pump including plus sponge filters um i i have less than a thousand dollars into that actual setup so uh be patient uh let it be known to people around you that you're interested get out there and meet people and deals will fall into your lap more often than not. Um, it, and, you know, it, it may be a deal where, okay, well, I don't need all these 20 highs because I'm not breeding angelfish. I want, you know, uh, to use something with a different footprint. If it's a good deal, flip it. Like, don't don't be afraid to try to flip something. I mean, glass is glass. It's always going to hold some value. It just won't hold a lot of value. Yeah, um, or if you attention to now with the big box stores right now they're running uh the half price sale well that's what jimmy always says is you know glass or you know that's right and uh so i mean today i stopped by my local uh petco store and picked up another 10 tanks because they're uh 10 gallon tanks are 12 and a half bucks and uh it's always the same thing i don't know what it is with petco but i don't think they think i'm cooking meth or something <laughs> every time i go in and cook I, meth in 10 gallon tanks well i, I tell you Adam would know. They actually question this. I've actually they question me every time I go drugs. in there because yeah. right now I need another. I need another thirty-nine tanks for my other rack, and so thirty-nine tanks plus my rack cost me seven hundred bucks. And I have thirty-nine gallon or th- uh, thirty-nine ten-gallon tanks on the, on this rack, and every, they go, "What are you doing with all these tanks?" And my my wife always tells them something just freaking bizarre. Yeah, she comes up with a lot of great one-liners. And she goes, oh, we're raising chameleons. Oh, are you? What kind? She goes, oh, the green ones, you know, and <laughs> and uh, it's just ridiculous. I think one time she uh, said that you're uh, har- harboring troll dolls. Yeah, that, that sounds was, about right. That was my favorite. She's she's She lies to them a lot, but they always want to know what you're doing in all these <laughs> tanks, and it's always the same thing. The uh, We call them up and say, um, you know, how many tanks you got? And they go, we'll have 18. Okay, we'll take them all. Oh no, no, we can't put them off to the side. Well, we're driving, we're driving up, you know, eighty miles, and I'd like them to be there when I get there and stuff. Oh, we can't do that. And you go up there, and you'll say, "I'll take all eighteen tanks," and then they'll say to you, "Oh, we have some guy coming up to buy them." That was me. I called you, and you told me no. So don't tell me that you're holding them for somebody, <laughs> you jerk. And right. and and then they always uh, 
because uh, customer service is so great over there, they, they, they push me out a, a, a cart and they go, there you go. And then I load them all up myself and I take them all out to my car and then I just leave their damn cart out in the parking lot. They, I'm not taking it back in. They still hold the policy of rain checks. So if you show up and Jimmy was there and he just emptied all the tens and you're pissed. Do they do rain checks? They do rain checks That's now. good to know because I've gone I'm, there a few times and Jimmy must have gone there before me and they're all out. Yeah, I, Jimmy yeah. will, will f*** a good sale up for others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to for be. For sure. What? You know, it was a dollar gallon sale all the way up to 55 gallons. And I'd go in there and kill them on 40 gallon breeders. 40 gallon breeders for 40 bucks back in the day. And, and right now they're 90, 110 bucks for a 40 gallon breeder, which is one of my favorite tanks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, to, I, I like, my wife uh, likes everything the same. She wants all new tanks, all clean, all the racks have to match, all the lighting has to match. It drives me insane. Because before, I just hodgepodge. If it held water, I didn't give a crap. I'd put whatever I had, you know, in there. And you see people on the internet, you know, and they're raising stuff in freaking Tupperware containers. And you're going, wow, good for you. And even crazier, when you start watching over in the Orient, and they take two liter bottles of Coke or Fanta or whatever it is, and they cut, they lay them on their side, and then they, they cut a hole, you know, on the top, and they're breeding bettas, and they've got a rack with 200 two liter bottles in a, in a grass hut, and they're breeding bettas in there and stuff. It's just incredible what people come up with and how well they can do it. All right, so best uh, case scenario. You cut, do- you cut two liter bottles, and you cut the tops off. That's what you put baby chameleons in. Oh, they're, they're, so they're, the, green, the green ones, right? The there. green ones, yeah. The green ones. <laughs> So, uh, so step one, if you can afford it, dollar a gallon sale. Step two, try to find someone that's offloading his own fish room. Step yep. three, if not, you know, coke containers, apparently. Yeah, I I don't recommend it, but it is. We're, we're doing hobo budget base, you know. Step there you go. So what do you do for lighting then? How do you, uh, how do, you do lighting on a budget? Right. Um, so, so certain lighter tanks, and I actually just released a video on this. Um, so I use... The, the linkable little LED strips um, and it's it, you can get them in like 2 foot, 3 foot, 4 foot I mean you usually get like 6 to 8 of them for like 50 bucks shipped um, I don't like to shop on Amazon a lot but there's some stuff that I do buy on Amazon and, and lighting's one of them um, and you know find something that'll work for, for your racking type setup and you know i don't grow a lot of plants in most of my tanks i have you know my 125 display upstairs for plants so i use fancy lighting for that but for the most part you just need enough light to be able to see your fish um so for 50 bucks i put uh, leds over 25 tanks the other day um and you know i've i I usually say don't cheap out on equipment um you know lights are something that you can get by with you know fairly cheap I've, i've used these lights before um, you can check out my videos if, if you're super interested in the specific lighting and how I mounted them and stuff. Um, but you can spend 50 bucks and you can light, you know, 25 tanks with LEDs uh, well enough to see and, and grow some lower light plants just fine. Um, and then I use ca- the CASA timers uh, to turn them on, on and off, you know, uh, at the same time. And they they don't pull a lot of electricity, so you're not losing using a lot of juice. They're not super bright, so you don't run into a ton of algae problems. They give you enough light to see your fish, uh, and they're they're easy. Um, they're they're super easy. So that's how I light uh, my fish room. What I've done. Oh, go ahead, Jimmy or Adam. Do you have them on a timer? Or, and are they dimmable? Like the LEDs, are they dimmable? So so the ones I use, uh, they're not dimmable. They are on a, a timer. Like I said, I use the the Casa strips, so I control it on my phone. Uh, I, I used. 
I just recently switched over to to the actual Wi-Fi timers as opposed to I used to use the old analog timers. I know, um, but I, I always found that I'd go in downstairs to work on the fish room at like 10 o'clock at night, so I'd turn them on and then I'd forget to turn it back to the timer setting, um, and they'd just be on all the freaking time. So, is there a dimmable LED light anywhere? There is. Um, They're a little more I'm expensive. Sure, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. Um, it is. I, I don't personally see uh, the need for a dimmable light if you're just trying to light a ton of tanks um, for a reasonable amount of, of well, money. Yeah, come on now. Well, you need a dimmable light because, you know, you need to get in the mood when you're in the fish room. When you put on some Marvin Gaye, you sit down with, you know, uh, Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's beverage of choice, tequila that he sips like in a wine glass. He wants to listen to some smooth music with the lights down. You know, it's it's ambiance. I thought the tequila was straight out of no, the bottle. No, the only yeah. reason... And, and I listened to Who Let the Dogs Out, so it's... Who different. Let the Dogs Out? The only reason why I brought that up is because um, when I was breeding ram cichlids, um, and I would shut the lights off, the babies would just get scared and scatter all over the tank. Yeah, they were in a 10-gallon, um, and I had a back filter on the back, but then they'd get sucked up by the back filter is what happened. So I always put... Dip, I started you know slowly dimming it a little bit at a time and then that worked a little better you so that's why i brought it up simulated yeah, sunrise a, sunset a, yeah a trick I, a trick i learned from a, an old timer um specifically regarding opistos because i had a a buddy of mine and he had some opistogramma i can't remember the exact species um irrelevant um uh, but the 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 pair kept eating the fry over and over and over again. He had like six spawns and they just kept eating the fry. Um, and this old head, he's like, hey, he's like, do you have any sort of light in the room at night? And they're like, no, no, I don't. He's like, put some sort of dim, just like a night light in the room. Just a small light. Um, if you put a night light in the room, uh, you know, the, the spawning pair, they'll be able to keep track of their fish and they won't get spooked and they won't eat them. And sure enough, as soon as he put uh, he put like a simple just one of those little plug-in night lights um, in that room, uh, just enough so there was a dim light in the room. All overnight, just all of a sudden, just success after success after success with spawning these pistos. That is the best thing I've heard. That is. I, that's that's a good one because I didn't know about that trick. That's life hack of the month, bud. Yep, that is. That's a good one. And that's one of those. We need to get a bunch of old timers on here. Just so shut up. Tell us all these. No, we're we're working on the old <laughs> podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I'll run that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was a you know this tip came from. He's he's kind of a killy guy at heart. He's bred. I think he's up to three hundred and fifty species of killifish. <laughs> um, so I pick his brain pretty regularly. But yeah, I said put a nightlight in the room. Um, so I, you know, with the advent of the advent of LEDs, um, comes with a lot of cool, you know, bells and whistles that we don't necessarily need to be successful, um, and and sometimes they can be more more problematic than they're worth, or, or just lead you to to spend more money. Um, so yeah, no, don't my lights uh, themselves, um, I stagger them so each rack comes on and goes off about an hour apart um, from the next one in line, and uh, and then I have a small just a small dim light that that just is on in the fish room all the time so i actually used old school shop lights uh with the fluorescent tube lights in them out of a dumpster 
I went dumpster diving, grabbed them out, <laughs> and I changed the ballast in them and put an LED bulb. And now I have three of those making my 10-gallon uh, rack with the nine tanks. And it looks horrible. It works effective. <laughs> it is. It was the cheapest way I could get lights taken care of. The electric bill's nice and low. I got them on a timer and uh, just ignore the rust and bubble gum. See, I oh, just that, went to my local Menards and bought a two-pack for $10 during Black Friday. Two-pack. Two-pack for 10 bucks, Bo. The ballast and were, were you, cheap as well. Yeah. And when you when you set up your fish room, you're, that's part of it is like, do I want this to be a, a working fish room or do I want it to be, you know, for looks and, and do we want to do some measuring with it? Um, and do I have the money to spend on making it look nice versus being effective? Now, did you use just traditional sponge filters for filtration? Because, again, the only source we have in the fish room is air. So use everything air-powered filtration to save money and make it make it work better. I, I do. So I prefer the the ATI Hydro Pros is, is what I use in my fish room. I got to give this a goog now. You said ATI Hydro Pro. Yep. And where are you buying those at? Uh, I usually get them through either Ken's or Jemco. I, I buy like a case at a time, and I, I'm actually due to replace some mine. You know, almost over time, like when your sponges get to be like five, ten years old, they start to shrink and turn into funny shapes, kind of like other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know what you meant there. So, uh, but no, I mean, for, for five, six bucks a piece, um, it, it, it's tough to beat. They're effective. I do I do regular, so I do usually do about 50% water changes once a week on all my tanks. It takes me um, and my fish room, we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit, um, usually I can I can do water changes. I can do 50% manually on all the tanks in my room in two hours. So so the sponge filters I use is I go, you know, the Alibaba, Wish.com, the Ebays, and literally you can look up different sizes because all these sponges have, no matter the brand, have a size scaling because they come from all the same manufacturers. So uh, the preferred sponge, depending on size, would be X, Y, I think it's 380. If you give that a uh, a goog on eBay, that's the spore size. <laughs> that's the spore size. That is the size of a uh, sponge. That'll be the traditional for the the same ones that you mentioned, the Hydro Pros. That's the same size as XY380. And I, as long as I can't pronounce the brand, that's what I'm getting. Um, the more Chinese <laughs> symbols on the box, the better. And I can get those for five bucks a piece or less. And the longer it takes to get here. Yeah, exactly. If I if it takes me twenty eight days, that that's above average, you know, to get to get a case of these. But they, right, I mean, that's fine. It's the same mold as some of the brands, and when I'm going uh, going bulk and going uh, going wide, that's what I'm looking at. But Jimmy's, uh, you know, Cadillac seat cushion uh, sponge filters, uh, I still use those. Those, uh, I, I hope I always have one for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, I, I just gave you one the other day. Yeah, and it's you see, it's right there, Jimmy. Yep. you can see it from here. It's right next to Scuba Steve. Um, yeah. So we're, so we're talking about, um, so we set up the fish room, we got our air loop set up, we got our racks, we got our tanks, um, and now we're starting to think about filtration. Um, I see a question in the chat um, about types of air-driven filtration. Um, obviously, you know, if you're old school, you have the undergravel filters, which um, sweet. I would not recommend They're running uh, by air. If I was going to run an undergravel filter, I you would run it. You can't even find them anymore. Oh, oh really? I, I run mine by air. We run actually the entire fish store at these fish by air, but you have to be really generous with the amount of air that goes through it to make them work. Right. So I, if I was going to run an undergravel filter, this is just my personal 
you know, opinion, so take it for what it's worth. I would, instead of running them on air, um, I would use a power head and use run it reverse flow with a small sponge pre-filter. So that the water is actually coming up through the gravel instead of going down through the gravel. Um, that way you get all the benefits of that biological uh, colonization on all that surface area using the substrate. Um, but you have a sponge pre-filter so you're not just accumulating a bunch of debris uh, down in the gravel to sit there and rot over time. I have but, never once thought of the... That's new. I've never heard that. Uh, taking a big old sponge filter on the tip. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, so under gravel filter... Sponge filters. Um, you have matten uh, filters. Those are more of a German product that you put a big, flat, uh, big sponge in the back. And essentially, you're just using a tube to, to flow over the top. So all the, the water goes from one side of the tank to the other and through this giant curtain sponge. I have great luck with those. Those work great for shrimp, but they do have downsides. So, um, and it, like I, I like the matten filters. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a... It, they're, they're a little bit tougher to maintain because you can't just pull the sponge filter out of the tank. You're, you're literally pulling one of the walls out of the tank is what's happening. Yeah, it's a big... Um, but they're they're big extremely job. effective. Um, box filters, uh, like we are mentioned in the chat, you can you know load whatever media you want into a little box filter. Um, and then moving media. Um, so now we're talking about like a fluidized bed filter. And a fluidized bed, um, it, it seems to be uh, kind of the... It, it seems like a buzzword. Like every four or five years, people start talking about like fluidized bed filters or K1 media filters. Um, but it, it's old school technology and it just takes up a lot of space. Um, for is, is it effective? Sure. But it takes up a lot of space and it, I think it's not necessary. I, I personally wouldn't recommend running them, I guess. But so, if you want to mess with something, you can build. I mean, you can build a fluidized bed filter. I have one downstairs sitting in a tub somewhere that's literally a 20-ounce soda bottle with some K1 media inside it and an airline in the bottom and some holes drilled through the top. So what I did is I did some homework on these, and they finally, they're they're not real um, known about, but they have pre-done in a a can fluidized moving uh, bed filters. I just sent you a link, Michael, and I also sent it to Adam. Uh, this is an example of the uh, canisterized moving bed filter. So it's the same profile as a sponge filter, but all the moving parts are inside the can. Uh, this is nice because it's a sponge filter and all of that in one. Uh, but again, that's still, in and of itself, still takes real estate, whereas some of the sponge filters can be much smaller. Right. I'm not saying it's a in, it's an effective form of filtration. For the money you're spending and the real estate you're utilizing, I think you're better off going a different direction. Yeah, they're not that cheap. Especially if you're talking about running 30, 40, 50 tanks, uh, and instead of a $5 sponge filter, you're going to run a $15 or $20, uh, like a little fluidized reactor. I mean, it's basically a reactor, I guess. I think that's the brand, uh, yeah, reactor. You're, you're going to burn up a, a lot of your funds doing that. So Yeah. Uh, but but then we have, we have our tanks and everything. Um, they're, they're set up. We've we've got our filtration, whatever filtration method you utilized. Now we're starting to talk about filling our tanks up with water. And if you are on a budget, particularly, or if you just like to make things easy, cater your fish selection to your tap water or your source water, whether that's a well, whether that's a municipal water, whatever it is. Cater your fish selection to that, so you don't have to worry about altering your water using something like RODI because that's going to 
uh, increase your cost. You're going to burn through more water. Obviously, you have more equipment to buy. Um, and then you have filter media that you have to burn through. Um, but if you have hard water, naturally, um, as your city water or well water, then pick fish that can adapt to hard water. Probably don't pick something like a pistogramma. I'd lean towards more something like your riverine cichlids, uh, your main lake rift cichlids, your live bearers are, are generally fine adapting to a little bit harder water. Um, this is going to help you get started on the right foot. Um, and now that you have water in your tank, um, you can start looking into your fish. And not that I recommend setting up your fish room with the idea that you're going to make money off it. Um, yes, it's possible. No, don't expect to do it anytime soon. Um, you can start with your fish selection and, and maybe start recu recuperating a couple bucks um, to to start enhancing your fish room. You don't need to go straight to uh, a 150 gallon per day RODI setup um, from day one. Use what works with your source water, um, whatever that is. If it's soft, then go with soft water fish. If it's hard, go with hard water fish. Um, and then you can start moving in the right direction. You may find um, that, that you get so caught up in whatever fish that you try out um, that you have no interest and in go into RODI like myself. Um, so I, you know, I had the funding, I had the space, I had the equipment to utilize RODI in some of my tanks. So I have two 55-gallon drums that are plumbed together that I do my water changes out of. Um, so I store straight RODI in there. Um, so those of you that are not familiar that are listening um, right now, RODI water, usually you'll run it through a four or five uh, or six stage filter and it'll strip uh, chlorines, chloramines, heavy metals, any contaminants in your water and you will literally end up with pure water at the end of it. So whereas I have fairly hard and fairly dirty tap water, um, if I check the TDS or total dissolved solids, um, of that water it is usually around four to five hundred dds after i run it through my reverse osmosis deionization system or rodi um, i usually get you know two to three tds out of it so you're purifying the water which is going to soften it and make it more ideal for some of those fish that come out of something like the central or south american water um, where things are a little bit softer um, you don't have uh, the mineral content um, as something like your rift lakes uh, out of Africa where you'd get like your Tanganyikans, uh, your shell dwellers, your frontosas, your peacocks. Um, so cater your initial fish selection to your source water, and that is going to make your life a lot easier. Uh, it'll be a lot less energy, uh, time, and money that you have to put into setting up your tanks and then maintaining them through water changes. And that's why I collect reject goldfish from these fish. When he gets in uh, these big old fantail goldfish, uh, Jimmy and I have a theory that when these big, the big uh, softball size, you know, softball size, fantail style goldfish, whether Arandas, you know, a Ryukin, all of those, we have a theory that when they fly, you know, thirty thousand feet, their swim bladder, you know, distorts and maybe can even rupture a bit. And then when they land, they'll never swim correct again. I have fish that I've had for years that will not like one hundred percent be right up. So that's what I collect because I know that my water parameters, uh, however good, I, I know that goldfish will at least hold it. Uh, without having to worry about RODI, without having to check. And uh, I don't have chlorine up the tap, luckily, so it just goes straight from tube to tank. Uh, but I know my, my 
Reject goldfish. We'll take it. Every time I bring in, every time I import large, large goldfish, and they're packed either eight or ten to a bag, and they're they're baseball to softball size. Every time, there's always one or two that don't swim correctly. Forever, no matter what you do. Right. It just bothers me. And we've talked to people who talk about burping them or sticking needles in them or whatnot. good. He's happy. I'm happy. I just give him the Robbie. He's got a special Olympics (laughs) pool over here. He puts them in. I have a 60-gallon tank right here in my fish room where the podcast studio is. And there's two goldfish. There's Jeff and Bubbles. Uh, Jeff can't stay up. Bubbles can't stay down. And... uh, they make they've never met each other they the make tank. quite the retarded <laughs> pair uh pretty great can you say retarded anymore this is my podcast jimmy oh, it's your right. podcast too retarded mm-hmm. up all right <laughs> so where does that leave us i think we're we're pretty well uh, at least covering the basics right so so we've got into um the filtration we've actually started putting water in the tanks we've selected our fish whichever route you go now you got to take care of those fish right and when it comes to taking care of a large number of fish one of the bills that we don't often think about or the expenses that we don't think about is food, right? So food is one of those things um, that can sneak up on you really fast as far as costs go. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, I, I I feel that feeding a variety of foods is, is in the best interest of the, the health of the fish. I personally feed a mix of, of some different favors flavors of flakes from kensfish.com um it's a it's not the best food out there obviously um, but it is a budget-minded food and and when combined with a variety of other foods it it does quite well Um, but uh, one of the most overlooked food sources especially on a budget um, is live foods and if you talk to any killifish keeper uh, i bet they have you know three to four different live foods that they feed because you know they kind of figured out um that not only are are live foods more nutrition do they have higher nutrition content um but once you start a culture of live food you can get a starter culture of anything from paramecium to walter worms to white worms um vinegar eels for for four or five bucks and you put maybe four or five bucks in material and you can run a culture um for what you know six months eight months a year and feed thousands and thousands of fish just utilizing that one culture and something like that is going to uh, provide higher nutrition content because you're getting um, all the all the the proteins the carbohydrates the the various enzymes um, that come along uh, with live foods that haven't been prepared they haven't been dehydrated dried out um, you know processed at all um, but you're also triggering natural feeding responses. So a lot of the times in fish, especially wild-caught fish uh, or young fish, uh, you may have a hard time getting them to eat prepared foods. So sometimes you get them to, to take after to frozen foods, um, but a lot of times you'll have a tough time getting them to eat uh, prepared foods. But uh, the, the live food itself, the actual, just the movement of that food triggers a natural feeding instinct. So when you have freshly hatched fry, uh, whether that's angelfish uh, or rainbow fish of whichever species, something like uh, a vinegar eel or, or baby brine shrimp, just the, the natural movement to that fish and the, the, the fact that that's a, a natural uh, food source for those fish is going to trigger those fry to, to uh, eat initially, um, and then they'll also eat more, which is going to result in, in putting more size on and growing faster so that you, if your goal is to raise and sell fish, 
um, the faster you can put size on them, the faster you can get them to a sellable size and, and get your return on the investment. Well, Adam, how long did a can of brine shrimp last you on average when you're even doing a whole fish store? Of brine shrimp flake or? Of uh, hatching brine shrimp in like, a can. Like a can. A 16 ounce can will last me about 90 days. I was going to say, yeah, it lasts a while. But, but you're feeding literally thousands of fish and 50 bucks is, is getting you, you know, three months worth of food. Yeah, I pick yeah. up. I, I don't. Adams, you use a lot of frozen food, correct? You used to? I did, yeah. And, and frozen food has gone through the frickin' roof. I can't hardly throw it. You know, I, I'm buying the 16-ounce bloodworms to get my angelfish to breed and stuff. But I, I find, like, like, like he was just saying, the live cultures, I, I'm hatching three uh, jars of brine shrimp a day. And I'm putting in two of the little scoops in each jar every day. And... If I if I like on the on the guppies, I'll feed them three times a day, and then do a water change. And a day after I do a water change, it seems like they've doubled in size. I don't quite get how the water change, but you know they absorb all the calcium out of the water and stuff, and they need that for bone development. And uh, but a quick water change, and then the live food is just amazing how how much better they do. And it's and it's inexpensive, like you said. I'm picking up a sixteen ounce can for like forty five bucks right now. They don't have the big thirty two ounce. Uh, flat packs anymore? No, the only ones I've seen are 16 lately, so doesn't mean they're not no. out there. But Jeepers, they're costing 10, 12 bucks a piece, and I, I can feed one of those in an afternoon. Well, I think we covered uh, at least the basics. Any other, uh, you know, last minute tips, recommendations you got for the audience, Michael? Um, you know, take it slowly. Nothing good happens, and nothing good in this hobby happens fast, right? So be patient with it. There, there's no rush, like I said. If you are setting up a fish room, set it up for the long term. And if you are not looking at setting up for the long term, then maybe reconsider or reassess your goals, right? Um, It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy. It can be relatively cheap and relatively easy compared to uh, some of the bells and whistles that some people put into their fish rooms for the sake of experimentation or measuring or whatever you'd like to call it Um, but it it doesn't have to be super expensive it doesn't have to be super fancy you don't need uh, auto water change and all this and all that um, to set up a a successful fish room and at the end of the day a successful fish room is simply does it meet the goals of what you had in mind what is your goal and were you able to accomplish that with your fish room and generally speaking, if you talk to somebody that has a successful fish room, whether that's, you know, somebody that, that sells a lot of fish as a breeder, if you're looking at like, uh, if you're familiar with Tom from TM Aquatics over in Minnesota, uh, Dan from Dan's Fish, he does things a little bit differently, but he has a fish room that is effective for his goals. If you look at um, someone like Jason from Primetime, if, if you're into the big YouTube scene, uh, or Chris Nelson, if you you guys might be familiar with shooter if you're up in minnesota he attends a lot of the the quad cities type meets and stuff um build a fish room that is going to suit your goals don't just copycat somebody on the internet or you're going to end up spending a lot of money unless your goals are identical to theirs which they they very may well be but be prepared to spend the money and do it right uh have the time and allow things to develop the the only thing that I've talked about today in our discussion here on the podcast 
um, that you need to spend uh, you know all the money right up front on is your air pump because it just doesn't make sense to to buy one air pump and then just buy another air pump later everything else the racks the tanks the filters you can buy as you grow and i would say start small uh start with maybe a fish room with six to nine tanks like okay this is definitely doable i enjoy it i have the time to properly manage and take advantage of this number of tanks then add maybe one or two and slowly build your fish room like i said i currently have uh, about 25 tanks with fish and water in my fish room but i have 45 or 50 tanks um that's because my current lifestyle my current job my current family situation does not make it easy for me to maintain 50 tanks and you know 100 species of fish so start slow and, and figure out uh you know add a couple tanks at a time and figure out where your breaking point is right is to okay I can take care of this and enjoy it versus I can take care of this and it's too much. It feels like work. If it feels like work, you're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be fun versus, okay, I just added too much crap at one time and I can't even take care of this crap. And then it's a disaster. You get frustrated, you lose money, and then you end up getting out of the hobby. Um, because at the end of the day, my goal uh, as, as a, you know, a content creator i guess or somebody that speaks on podcasts or somebody that creates videos on youtube is to help people be successful um helping each other be successful helps grow the hobby and there's nothing beneficial to, to you know discouraging somebody in the hobby or or, or causing them any stress or frustration um, because then they get out of the hobby and and then you know their cash flow and their interests are not going to the hobby and the hobby just doesn't develop and proceed in a beneficial direction well, and don't cheat on your wife and tell her that your fish room is more important than her. There you go, Adam. That's perfect. <laughs> you beat beat at me on that point, actually. <laughs> I was just say that exact thing. Hide I, the bleach. Yeah, hide the bleach. I'm going to throw out one more thing there. And and, and, and I'm being totally serious here. And, and you guys are probably just going to giggle a little bit. Uh-oh. But one of the most important things in my fish room, seriously, honestly, is my TV, my refrigerator, my pizza oven. And my music, because Other. those are things that, okay, so your wife is gone, seriously, your wife is gone out of town, and you're downstairs working your fish room. What happens? Well, at noon, you're kind of hungry, and I want a pizza. So you go upstairs, put in pizza, then all of a sudden you start watching football, then you, you don't go back down there. With a pizza oven, you'll, you'll throw a pizza in, you'll stay down there. With a TV, I go down there at night, and I'm watching the local news, which my wife hates. I watch the local news. I feed my fish. I do my little my little thing. I've got music down there blaring. And you need to make this enjoyable, and you need to, I mean, like multitask. I mean, you don't need to sit on your butt to watch the local TV news. You could do that while you're, while you're feeding your fish, while you're doing your water changes. And if, if your water changes are probably the biggest thing that people, that's why they quit. Because they're not doing their water changes and things crap out. But if you're doing your water changes and it's not so monotonous and so boring because you've got the local news on or you're watching the football game, you know, those are things that can make your fish room real personal and, and a lot easier to work in. And like Definitely. For, for Christmas, my wife bought me a new 50-inch TV for my fish room. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I'm going to put it up. You're gonna find a spot, yeah, for sure. You know, and then we've got we've got the Sono system downstairs where we got got music blaring all the time, and um, the refrigerator is important too because all of a sudden you have to go. Most people's fish rooms are in the basement, 
and you need a soda or you need something to drink and you go upstairs, you get distracted and all of a sudden you don't come back down. So if you want the best high-quality guppies and angelfish that are completely deaf, contact Jim Colby. His contact details are in there. They are deaf as as (laughs) They don't need to hear, though. Adam, our house rocks. (laughs) Adam, when when are we starting your podcast? I'm ready to go down to southern Minnesota. Our podcast. Your your fish room. When are we starting your fish room? Excuse me. I've been drinking too much. I don't know. I have to get the garage insulated. Yeah, I'm coming down. We're insulating your garage, Adam. I'm pretty good at it now after after doing it trial by fire. Electricity to it. Hey, Michael will come join us. We'll have a party. Or Count we'll, me in. Or we'll watch Michael do it. Yeah, he's not that far away from Adam. Mm-hmm. That's so right. there you go. Well, then I can give him some of the plant, then, and then he's going <laughs> to burn it. Right. It's, it's, it's the weed at this point. And, and, and then about six months from now, we can go, why is Michael in jail? And then we'll go, okay. There you go. Well, Michael, again, thanks so much for uh, coming on, buddy. Uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully, we can have you on again. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, the YouTube channel is All Things Fish. It'll be in the show notes. Click the subscribe button. Uh, it, it does matter, especially to folks that are uh, doing it for the, the passion and not the money. It, uh, it it motivates them over over any monetary functions. Michael, thank and you. Definitely, for sure. Thanks for having me. And you mentioned, um, you know, the the motivation. Uh, I don't. I have a, a career that I get my money from. I'm not in a big enough channel um, on YouTube, and it's not my goal to be a big enough channel to actually, you know, be a source of revenue or a source of income. Um, so, you know, believe it or not, there's a few of us that are not just driven by the, the fame and money of YouTube. Um, so it does mean a lot um, when people do leave comments um, on videos or they do subscribe because that lets me know that not only did they watch and pay attention, but they found some sort of value in it. And that's what, you know, at the end of the day, if I can teach, you know, one person one thing uh, with every video, regardless of how many people watch it, then that video is a success to me. Whether that video took me one minute or whether that video took me three hours to produce. Absolutely. Um, I'm telling you right now. Teach, oh, go ahead. If I can teach one person one thing, um, then it was a success and it's worth my time. I'm telling so, you right now, Zach, Jimmy, and I are buying nightlights right after this podcast. I'm putting a nightlight in my bedroom oh, yeah. tonight and sneaking up on my wife. For sure. <laughs> chicka, chicka, boing, boing. <laughs> well. But no, ser- seriously, guys, it's uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and, and I hope we can, you know, make it happen uh, again more often. And, and, you know, eventually I'm going to end up driving north, whether it's over at Adam's place or, or further north, and, and we'll meet up and, and have a beverage and, and get to see everybody. For sure. And, uh, you know, Sounds if you ever like want to return the favor, we can enjoy a, join a live stream. You know, we're, we're not that ugly. We have faces for radio. That's for <laughs> sure. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, uh, last thing is that Zach, thank you for coming and being uh, being part of the debauchery. It's nice to have friends uh, join us when they can. I know we're not exactly an easy drive. Oh no, it's it's a distance, and but y- that's all right. This, this is a shout out for you know uh, for yourself or someone else. You, you you have a moment. Oh well, all I have right now is just an Instagram at King Aquatics. Uh, you can just see some pictures of my fish room there. There you go. And how big is your fish room? It's a 9 by 8 Currently got about 20 tanks in it, but room for 50. See, that's, that's he, what I he like bought the bigger pump. I like that. He bought the got, bigger got pump. Got room for 50, and I'll put it in 72. Wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I can fit 72 in there. I'll help. Yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> All right, got any last-minute notes, Adam? No. Well, guys, uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, Fishery, 
is the podcast Alexander Williamson does. Go to our Facebook page, Aquarium Guys Podcast Community. Leave some memes. Uh, find us live on Discord, AquariumGuysPodcast.com, bottom of the website. Click that button. Join us. We had like 26 people in the chat peak tonight uh, listening live. That's uh, that's far too many that I would expect, but uh, you're still welcome. There's more more spots for you. And, uh, yeah. Oh, well, also, last one. We're doing a Patreon. We have our Patreon page. I'm not paying you for this. No, no. People pay the, for this podcast oh. uncensored and unedited before it airs. So we can see all kinds of... So if you want to be a part of the VIP club and not listen to it with bleeps, then that's all there for you. All right. Well, until next time. Bye, Jimmy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. No, no list. Oh, so, so you got joy. So, so Adam, pay attention. Hey, we, we only got so many bleeps to use, Adam. We have to pay for those. Oh, we bleep them now? We, we have been for a while. The ducks have been far surpassed. I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you turd monkeys. I-